Welcome to Animoa, the animated movie watch. I'm Buffers. And I'm Birdie. Today's episode is Perfect Blue. We pick our movies from the list of animated feature films on Wikipedia. Any movie with a theatrical release that has a critics rating of over 50% on Rotten Tomatoes will get its own episode here on Animoa. And we are watching these films in chronological order. I think we need a, like a little footnote to say that we watched this movie immediately after watching End of Evangelion. <laughs> yeah. It was a trippy night. It was. It was, but... um. You want to know what my first note was for Perfect Blue? Okay. This is already infinitely better than Evangelion. Oh, really? That was my first note. Well, what was it specifically that made you write that note? Just, like, the vibe I got. Like, it went straight from, like, they were showing... They were, like, shooting this Power Rangers-like kind of thing. (laughs) And then all of a sudden we're just, like, out in the real world and everybody was just looking so realistic. and, and, And it just felt very lived in. And I don't, I don't know. It was just like this vibe that I just immediately was like, "Oh, I like this." Yeah, yeah. At first, I walked, uh, laughed about the power. Trials. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we're we're all like <laughs> chuckling at that. Then I thought, "Oh, finally, we're back to reality." Even though we were watching an animated movie. Yeah, yeah. There's something about well, <laughs> about Satoshi Kon films, which we, I believe, I, you're gonna have to remind me because I thought we watched. Maybe both Paprika and Millennium Actress together? I don't think I've seen Paprika. I thought we watched that together. We watched Millennium Actress together. Okay. I thought, hmm. Maybe it was somebody else I watched Paprika with. How dare you? I'm sorry. (laughs) Because I remember um, elements from both of those movies. Like, I was kind of, like, watching trailers and stuff to remind myself, like, which one was it that we watched? Because I knew we had watched at least one of them. I thought maybe it was both. But anyway, so... Those are, I think, the only ones that I had seen of his. Because I haven't seen um, Tokyo Godfathers. I saw that. Okay. I I've been told it. I need to see it, yes, of course. we will. Yay, we will. <laughs> and then there's another one that he did. But sadly, I think, yeah, it's only... It's got a very short and small... Um, the amount of movies he produced. <laughs> not many. Uh, he passed away in the mid- mid-40s. He was Aww. quite young. Uh, cancer, of course. Man. Yep, lost him way too soon because this guy was a fucking genius. I, I'm not not to put too fine a point <laughs> on it, but I fucking love this movie. Well, that sums up how we feel about this movie. Yep. What's our next episode? All right. right. Well, <laughs> hey. <laughs> no. Um. Did, I, did Did you also enjoy it? I did enjoy it, but um, I was still recovering from our previous movie, <laughs> and yet I understood this one much better. We didn't talk about our drinks. We didn't talk about it. We got the same drinks. We have the it. same drinks as last episode, y'all. It's, what do you uh, it's 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 some Earl Grey with a little bit of foam still left in there, Ooh. but it's there's very little left, and I had to go heat it up. Um, and you have your your completely flat and flavorless sparkling water. Yep, <laughs> which is now water. <laughs> it's now water. <laughs> Let's give it a, cl- a quick clink. I was see that one was better than the last one because this movie was better. Than no, the last no. One. <laughs> Oh, man. But, yeah, fair enough for, yeah, being still, like, kind of overwhelmed and confused. But the fact that you still understood it better is awesome. Yeah. It was because it was arranged in a way that the audience could follow along without having to go online and look at the forums (laughs) and read about the other fans' personal philosophies. you you could definitely, like... 
draw your own conclusions from this, but also I feel like it was pretty clear what had happened. Like once you get past a certain point, Mm -hmm. there are definitely points in the movie where you're sitting there like, oh God, wait, what is reality? Oh no. And which is, you know, the whole point of the fucking movie, which is awesome. God damn, this was a cool movie. Perfect Blue. That was one thing I did have to look up. Is it like, why is it called Perfect Blue? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, why? Um, I guess the, I, I think what I read <laughs> was blue is sort of like a, a, a color that's associated with, I don't know. It's like, like I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put something, I don't want to say something wrong here, but I think the idea is it's, it's like this, this perfect image that's being created and mm-hmm. it does have to do with like how not specifically a pop idol is presented, but I think the the blue maybe in Japanese culture is a little bit more of like a, not innocence, but yeah, whatever it is. It's like this, this kind of presentation of herself. Whereas, whereas in Western culture, blue, um, it's like calm and serenity. It's calm and serenity, but it also, people can feel blue, which means they feel mm. depressed. So there's like double, triple. Yeah. Here. There might be more layers to it. Cause yeah, that was a quick glance that I did. And then I was like, I don't, you know what? I don't care as much about that part. I want to just, I just want to think about the movie itself yeah. rather than the title. This movie. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to sum up the plot a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah. I think this one could benefit from like a little bit of that. So you've got a character named Mima or Mima Rin. I'm not sure if, if that's like her stage name or stage if that's name her or actual name. name. Yeah. But Mima is a pop idol, part of a group called Cham? Cham? Cham. Cham. Um, it's a trio of pop singers, basically. But she's moving away from that. She's going to become an actress. She she her her agents seem to think that's like the right move for her in her career at this time. Uh, she's kind of aging out of the pop scene, I guess, mm-hmm. and she wants to break in and become like a serious adult actor. Which, as we find out, and 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 this is fantastic commentary on this kind of situation, means kind of pushing things a little bit more. It's, it's sexualizing her in ways that it it. She she feels like she needs to do this in order to achieve this, and at the same time, it's kind of like at odds with how she feels about how she has been presenting herself. So you've got already the psychological element, but on top of that, you've got the stalker character. Yeah, and at face value, it, you you think it is just the stalker character. You think it's just this one guy who is obsessed with her and is potentially posing as her and like on the internet with mm-hmm. this this website that's called Mima's Room and it's like fake journal entries but they're shockingly accurate to what she does in real life so it's very clear that yeah she's got a stalker mm-hmm. and then this this fake version of her is expressing like dissatisfaction with her lot in life and then that starts getting mixed up with how she perceives herself and she starts kind of hallucinating that this other version of her is the real version of her and that she starts losing kind of her grip on reality and in the meantime these weird deaths start happening around her because it seems like the stalker is taking matters into his own hands and then uh once we get past like like this this crazy psychological breakdown basically of this poor main character we eventually find out that there's another element going on here there was another antagonist this whole time in a delightful twist. 
I was... Are we going to reveal it? I think we have to. I think we have to. So spoiler alert right here. Yes. It was one of her agents the entire time. Basically kind of developed dissociative identity disorder and sort of took on the persona of Mima's pop idol self and was actually the one who was behind the website and had just snared this fan of hers, the, 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 what's it, Mr. Me Mania, I think is what they called him. Yeah. And, and then like kind of convinced him to do all these killings, but she also participated in them. And you do wonder how much of all of this, all of these interactions that Mima had with her hallucinations, like if any of them were her talking to, uh, what's her name, Rumi? Um, like the entire movie, it's like, uh, how much of it was real? How much of it wasn't? Does it matter? Not really. It's pretty cool either way. And it culminates in this crazy chase scene. And then um, ultimately they both survive, which yeah. was actually very surprising. In a very selfless act, Mima saves her, her a- attacker and a- aggressor. Mm-hmm. And she gets put into um, a mental ward. And it seems like Mima's become a successful actress by the very end because it seems there's a time skip. Yeah, And it ends with her just sort of like, yeah. I, I am who I am, and I've come out of this more s- certain of myself. And it's just a fucking cr- incredible movie. There, There is a point where you wonder if Mima is yes. the murderer because yes. she finds some bloody clothes in her closet. Which also, she's having s- such weird, such a weird thought process about yeah. everything that we think maybe she's hallucinating or maybe she's like reliving the same day over and over. Yeah. And then there's also her character in this drama that she's in. Right. So what's the name of that show? A Double, Double Bind? Bind? Yes. So that in and of itself is kind of funny because it feels like a parody of like those, those procedural detective cop shows or whatever, yeah. but it's like really sensationalized and like all sorts of awful stuff happening, including and not uh, limited to the very intense rape scene um, that she has to act out that she she feels she has to do in order to further her career. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the, I think, I feel like the turning point in the movie, like after that point, it's just like, yeah, no, no going back now. Like everything kind of spirals at that point. Yeah. Boy, howdy though, man. Thought process the entire time and everything she's going through and everything you realize then it's also Rumi is going through. It's because they're, they're weird kind of foils for each other and also parallels because Rumi used to be a pop idol herself. So you think she's got to be trying to reclaim some of that with this, this whatever has seized her. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's all so crazy. And, and yeah, you do, you just sort of sit there like, wait, is she? No, no, it can't be. She's just, just imagining this. And it, it really plays with the audience's expectation of what is and what isn't real. And like all these cuts between her acting on the show and you think it's actually real for a moment and Mm -hmm. then they change a couple of words and they replay the scene and you realize oh no 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 that was just in the show or was it and then she wakes up again and you're like wait no what happened (laughs) oh i love it i love how mindfucky it was this director is really good at portraying that kind of thing but also keeping you in the loop yeah at the same time like, I was never frustrated by it. I was, I was just like, oh my god, what's going on? Like, in an excited way, not like, you know, in another movie that maybe just go, what the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> he, it's because the story explains a little bit more each time. Yes. Instead of going 
back through the loop all over again with no revelations. Mm. It's always about, with suspense, it's always about a little bit of revelation at a time. Oh man, the suspense in this movie is amazing in so many different ways too. Like like the the pacing, and then you've got like the the use of color. You've got the color red popping up every pretty consistently. I, I love when directors use like specific colors to signal that something's either about to happen or has happened, mm-hmm. or to to associate with certain characters and stuff like that. The music. So you've got her pop songs and stuff. You've got the scene with the the writer in the parking garage and you've got like the music playing faintly. We could barely hear it because I guess like the lot level of the TV, I was sitting there like, like this with my, my hands cupped around my ears so I could hear what he was hearing. Cause we could see the subtitles like yeah. doing lyrics and we're like, okay, so there's music. I couldn't hear it at first, but that made it even creepier in a way. Yeah. It's like, wait, wait, where is it? <laughs> and then like the reveal of like the elevator opening and then there's the music is in there and it's like so loud that it's distorted and then we cut to the elevator opening again, and it's his eyeless corpse. And I, like, I don't remember if you remember, I burst out laughing. Oh, really? But, like, in a good way. Like, in a, this is amazing kind of laugh. Like, I, when there's good horror, when there's good, like, pacing and, 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 and real revelations and things like that, I, I sometimes react with it. just like, ha, 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 yes! <laughs> um... I should I be sitting next to you right now? No, I'm scared. No, I'm not like cheering on the murder. I'm just cheering on the excellent filmmaking. Um, it's interesting that you brought up eyes because the yeah. people who are murdered have their eyes taken out. Yes, they do. And I noticed the eyes of two different people. There was yes. the stalker, and then there was Rumi. Yeah. They're very far, far apart. Like the wide set. I thought they started looking like fish, which is interesting because the Neon Tetras. Mima has fish. Mm-hmm. There 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 is a lot of there's probably even more symbolism than we can even touch on in this episode, but that that that's a great observation. Yeah. And the thing is, even if we don't get all the symbolism, we are still there with the story yeah yeah it's it's still perfectly um like understandable even if you don't catch every single little thing i I think we got it we get it (laughs) but yeah and then the things with her gouging out the eyes is like yeah how dare you perceive mima this way Mm -hmm. how dare you sexualize her how dare you have this male gaze this voyeuristic gaze that is a huge criticism in the film too because we get that again that that very uncomfortable rape scene. I say rape scene, but it, it was just it's they were acting, acting, but it's still so. It realistic. still feels so real, yeah. And then also the photographer who's like taking those like pornographic photos yeah. of her. I, I was happy when he got his eyes gouged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the fact that he was like sweating as he's taking them. It's yeah. just like ew, gross. But then the whole thing that Mima's fearing, we actually see it happening with her, her old um, pop idol friends, the other two. Cham, whatever, characters, when they're just sort of chatting together and they're talking about, oh, yeah, she's at this photo shoot right now. It's like, oh, well, you know Mima. She's probably just, like, showing him everything. It's like, that's not what she's like, though. You just think that now because she did that thing in the movie, in, in the show. She she did the rape scene, so you think yeah. she's changed. You think she's like that, and that was the whole thing, is about, like, perception mm-hmm. and what people think of these idols of these actors of these celebrities and boy howdy is it more relevant than ever this whole parasocial relationship thing it is a it is a great big cautionary tale about 
you know, people who want to be in the public eye and all the different things they have to pay attention to because if they are out in the public eye, it can be a security risk. Yeah. Um, especially for female presenting people. Yes, absolutely. And and it's like a security risk because, I mean... Because of like the the whole the way the internet is now, like it's so funny. Cause this is the beginning of the internet is when this movie takes place. Like she's like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. You know, <laughs> what is that? Um, meanwhile, the, com- the computer. Yeah, <laughs> the internet in general. She's just like kind of confused by it. it. Adorable. It was very cute, but also kind of chilling because nowadays it's like so easy for somebody just your average Joe to become an internet celebrity. Mm-hmm. And and the way people can find out about where they live, and you can get doxing, and then you get these incredibly toxic parasocial relationships where people think, you know, they're entitled to know these people, or they think they're their friends, and they're really not. They're they're complete strangers, and they're they're putting on a show for you. It's just like Mima's, you know, that's not that's her her persona on stage is not her, but people think they know her, like Mister Mimania holding her in his hand on like a little pedestal yeah. and that first shot you get fucking amazing amazingly creepy oh of course creepy <laughs> as hell dude is super creepy uh, <laughs> but again such good filmmaking and so scary so so scary in a, in a, a just very chilling movie oh i gotta talk about the music i mentioned the music earlier with like the um the pop music being used, but also the soundtrack itself. Oh, yeah? That creepy humming theme that happens throughout the movie. It's apparently called Virtua Mima is the name of that track. Holy shit, is that an eerie fucking track. It's like the theme of the movie. Hmm. But then there's also, um, I guess, a track called Nightmares? Nightmare? Nightmares? Nightmare. Which I, I remember picking up on it in the film, and it happens a lot of times where you see Mr. Mimania or something particularly freaky is happening and it gets kind of some like industrial clanging noise that kind of builds up it's almost like drum like and it's just like kind of stuff and i was like wow this really makes me think of fucking silent hill of all things and yeah if if you sit down and compare like anything that 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 comes from um the silent hill soundtrack uh who's that composer again i wrote it down just to remind myself i know it and yet i can't remember Akira Yamaoka. And then apparently the composer for this was Masahiro Ikumi. Don't know if there was any um, inspiration that was taken, but holy shit. I was just like, this sounds so much like Silent Hill and it's really effective and creepy. (laughs) I love it. I didn't notice those. Really? Because, first of all, the pop songs were so piercing. Yeah. Um, But also, after our previous movie, I think I've gotten so desensitized mm-hmm. to imagery and violence and suspense, and maybe we should space out some of these movies a little bit more, <laughs> or at least not watch two similarly suspenseful movies in I the don't, same night. I didn't realize that that's what we were getting into. Um, I knew that it was intense, and I knew that it was an adult movie. Okay. That's, that's all I knew about it. Yeah. Well, but yeah, like it. It's interesting that you brought up those, that instrumental music, because I didn't notice it, and yet I did feel something in my body that was unsettling. Yeah. And it wasn't the imagery alone. I know that. So it, maybe- was, the, it was the sound. You probably just, like, let it wash over yeah. you. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's fine. I mean, 
I, I think sometimes we, we, we notice different things when we're watching stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually very tuned into music and sound anyway. So that might and, have been part of it. And I'm a visual learner. So, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah. Makes two, sense. Two different brains watching the same movie. <laughs> I would say I'm also a visual learner, but also touching learner. I have to do things. Me to too. do things to learn it. But we it, can't touch the movie. No, we cannot touch this movie, I'm afraid. <laughs> no one can touch it's this untouchable. movie. It's untouchable. Um, although we say that, and um, you know uh, the film director, the Darren Aronofsky, who's responsible for Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan and films like that. Oh yeah, I I kept getting Black Swan vibes uh-huh. during this. There, there's a reason why um, one might say homage, another might say plagiarism. Uh, Same goes for Requiem for a Dream. There's a specific scene in Perfect Blue where she's in the bathtub and she's kind of curled up face down in Mm -hmm. the water. Then it cuts to her inside and she yells. Mm -hmm. Same fucking exact thing happens in Requiem for a Dream. Mm. He's in the tub, curled up, screams underwater. Like the two shots are like back to back exactly the same. Apparently an homage. Hmm. I don't know. We hmm. have a similar frame by frame that's, yeah. I would consider that plagiarism. Yeah, it feels a little yucky to me. Um, I have not seen Black Swan, for what it's worth, but now when I finally do, I will be having Perfect Blue in mind, I'm yeah. sure, and I'm very curious what that'll what that experience will be like mm-hmm. when I finally watch that. So I, I have it, I just haven't watched it. <laughs> God, I don't know. Man, this is just... I don't know what else to talk about, but I'm just I'm just kind of blown away. I mean, we could talk a little bit about Satoshi Kon. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see more films from him, so I don't know if we need to dive into his whole career now, mm-hmm. or if we wait until we get to his last movie. Or... We could wait till his last movie. Yeah. All all we need to know is that dude had ha- a heck of a history with working with the greats in the industry mm-hmm. and became one himself. Um, and again, lost him way too soon. It's like, when you look at the scope of someone like Miyazaki's career and how long we've had Miyazaki around, it's like, imagine yeah. if we could have just still had Satoshi Kon oh. and could still have him for years to come. <sighs> I did not write down any reactionary notes about this movie. I was really taking it all in wow. and also trying to just jot down notes of the plot because I knew I would end up confusing it with our previous movie. Uh, Thankfully, I did not have any weird dreams. I thought for sure I would. I think I did. Okay. I think I did. Um, I don't remember which of the movies I dreamt about. I just remember like having some unsettling thoughts in the <laughs> middle of the night and waking up from it and being like, ah. I have a lot of caps lock notes and a lot of the word fuck. Oh, no. Well, I mean, it's a lot of me just going, oh, fuck. Yo, this is fucking scary. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, fuck, no, not a rape scene. Ugh, no, please don't show it. Oh, he apologized. <sighs> that part was, that, 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 touched, that touched me. Where the, the actor apologizes during the, the the rape acting scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good for actors to maintain that yeah. professionalism. Good lord. That but, was just like... But her screams. Oh my god. I... Ugh. Fucking gross. But uh, the, the, unlike other movies that we've had scenes like that in, I, I feel like this one served the plot very well. And also it wasn't actually happening, but it felt like it was, and it was just, it was important. 
And there was another layer of creepiness in it, too, because there were, like, secondary actors in that scene, all in the the audience, the crowd, watching watching. this happen to her. And so that feels representative of what's happening to her in real life in the movie. Yeah. They're they're watching, and they're also, like, judging and making comments and stopping and starting and all sorts of stuff. And just, ugh, it's really unsettling. And it is interesting that, yes, in retrospect, Rumi leaves in the middle of it. She's, like, crying, and mm-hmm. she leaves, and you're not really... Sh- you think just at first, like, yeah, because, of course, it's upsetting, and she's upset for her. It's like, oh, there's more to it than yeah. that. I wondered if something similar happened to her. I could believe that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very valid interpretation, um, that she could definitely have had a history mm-hmm. of something having happened. And, I mean, that would also contribute to... Uh, deteriorating mental state for sure yeah um it's like a dissociative identity disorder like that doesn't happen much for as much as we see it in like movies and stuff yeah well i think we see it in movies a lot because it's so dramatic it's very dramatic but it doesn't happen all that often in real life Mm -hmm. so it has to be something pretty intense to make something like that happen so some form of trauma absolutely i might have done it yeah, lots of me yelling in my notes. Okay. Um, Would you see this movie again? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I'd be curious to see it in English. We did watch it in the Japanese, which I'm, of course, glad. But I'm curious to see what the, the dub... Uh, yes, yeah. dub. <laughs> what the dub was like. Uh, like, he saw the moment as I was like, wait, did I say the right word? <laughs> dub, sub. Dub, sub. Wub. Wub it up. Love a love a dub dub or whatever it is that Rick says. All right. <laughs> yeah. No. Look, seriously. Look, look at all my caps lock. Look. There's a ton of caps lock. Mm-hmm. Wait. 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 <laughs> Honey, no. <laughs> I just felt so bad for her. Like anytime anything was happening, that I was just like, no. Like I think the honey no was when she got home and like started yelling like. I didn't want to do this, but how could I let down the people who got me here? Like, I had to do this. I didn't want to, but I had to. And, like, her putting on, like, the smile all the time. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God. Excellent. Yeah. Looking at the animation, too, not, like, outstanding, but the style of it was. It was different than what we've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely felt like fewer frames, which usually means, like, oh... That's cheap, but it everything was so stylized in such a unique way with like the kind of realistic look of everyone for the most part. Everyone's pretty realistic looking, I guess, for for anime. You know, they're not all like there's that one shot where they showed like a super intensely anime looking character, like it was like on a door or oh, something, yeah, it was and like then they an advertisement. It. Yeah, <laughs> that, like seeing that was so jarring, but then realizing like, no, that's actually kind of how anime looked then. Yeah. So this is really funny that they like they've got this like clash. So yeah, no, like definitely the, the the style of it felt very different, and and I was noticing with like the wide set eyes as well. Thing I did not connect like, oh, they're both villainous characters because Mm-mm. of that or anything like that but it is interesting that both uh, Mr. Ma- uh, Me Mania and Rumi both had those kind of unsettling eyes yeah and it felt like throughout the movie Rumi's eyes got a little more unsettling just that's yes. not to say that why yeah no. eyes are unsettling it's like the way that it was drawn yes it was it was very deliberately 
drawn that way. Mm-hmm. She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. <laughs> no, she's... Yeah. <laughs> Dude, though, yeah, that, that, that reveal when, when uh, Mima finds out that she's not in her actual apartment and yeah. that it's... It's Rumi's. It just looks like hers. And then her coming out and, like, the mirror, having the mirror there at the same time. And then also when she's chasing her, she's been, like, skipping the whole time. Or at least, like, this mental image of her has been skipping along after her. And then we actually see, like, in the reflected glass, Rumi just, like, desperately chasing after her and, like, panting and, like, almost just feral. It's compared to like the skipping happily yeah so it's not just <sighs> Ruby who is mentally compromised it's also Mima oh absolutely yeah. oh yeah it's almost like they're both hallucinating to the same shit yeah <laughs> I think there's a I think there's actually a, a medical term for that where, hmm. where people or multiple people can hallucinate the same thing hmm. I don't I don't know if it's real or if it's like just a term that was come up with to describe some sort of weird psychological phenomenon or what but it sounds familiar to me now it's weird shit the mind can do weird things and this movie is a great example of seeing what the pressure of the image you present to others can do to your mind and also what it can do to the minds of others and what all of it, all of it, it's all connected. It's all, I love it. And we love that this movie had a conclusion. Yay! We love that. It ended and, and it wasn't ambiguous. She, she, she's good now. She's fine. Mima's fine. Yeah. She's fine. <laughs> and I, I think her fish are okay too. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're okay. <laughs> Because, like, immediately after the scene where she saw the dead fish, we saw that some were alive, so maybe she just hallucinated the fact that they were dead. Yeah. I don't know anymore. I want to say the fish are okay, though. Or she got new fish. She got new fish. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I really attached to this fish. Gosh. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? Like, this, this is one of those movies where it's like, I'm, I'm just, like, kind of happily gushing about it the whole time. and. Mm-hmm feel like I don't have as much to say. I don't have any profound questions for you. No. Because I think we were both there yeah, with and, it. Yeah. And we, we covered a lot of like the stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, this is very relevant to modern society and our internet celebrity culture and the the weird parasocial stuff that can happen and the dangers of that. And Well, yeah. um, other than Black Swan, people who like that movie, who would you recommend Perfect Blue to? Well, it, um, if you haven't seen maybe another Satoshi Kon movie, but you've heard about him and you wanted to check it out, I think this is a good one. Um, and if you like thrillers, if you like uh, psychological horror, absolutely. Mm-hmm. This like this this is right up there with any live action psychological thriller that I've ever seen and enjoyed. Um, it kind of makes me think of. Um, Oh, I don't know. Uh, anything that plays with with time and perspective and perception and everything, like so, so like Memento or something like that. I could see this has got similar vibes. Um, it's a lot more than that, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that. Or if you have seen other Satoshi Kon movies and you haven't seen Perfect Blue, this is what the fuck are you waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. 
But um, also trigger warnings. Y- yes. In fact, we might need to put one for this episode. Because we, yeah. we do talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But, yeah, at least... <laughs> At least it's not actually happening. It's still bad, though. It's, it's still, still pretty rough. It's, it's it's more than pretty rough. It's it's really rough. And for that matter, the photography stuff is, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, as you realize, like, oh, no, we, yep, it is. We are going there. If, yep. if we have any people listening who want to be an actress, don't do everything the photographer wants you to. <laughs> we learned that from 30 Rock as well. Oh, no. <laughs> In a yeah. funny way. <laughs> yeah, much funnier than this. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is an amazing little movie with a lot of very cool transitions and mindfuckery in in the best way imaginable mm-hmm. with uh, reality versus fantasy and image that you present versus the image you think you want. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> All too. sorts of stuff like that. It's 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 just really... Very interesting movie. Did I write that at one point? I think I wrote fascinating. Uh, yeah, I just wrote the word fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah, me too. I don't think there was anything else I really wanted to cover with this one. Other than um, I want some more Powertrons. <laughs> There's like a whole show about it. Power Rangers. Yeah, I was like, good news. Power Rangers exist. So you can just watch that. <laughs> Here you go. But yeah, I guess... That's it for this one. Wee. So what what are we watching uh, next time? Our next movie comes from our old buddy Bill Plimpton. <gasps> oh. I married a strange person. That sounds like it might be amusing. Yeah. I hope it is amusing. Because this last movie was. Yeah, yeah, okay. Alright, all right, cool. We'll see you guys next time then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So what what are we watching uh, next time? Oh shit! Hang on. <laughs> I thought you were gonna, I thought you were saying what we were watching. Ocean. We're watching ocean. <laughs>